Hello everyone, welcome to Birdcast, the only podcast recorded inside a live Avery. And today we have a very special young guest with us today, Talitha, the creator of the Birds of Perth Hills book, and she is also a photographer. If you'd like to go ahead and introduce yourself. So I'm 17 years old. Um, I've lived in the hills my entire life, so that's an hour away from Perth, into the hills. And so I live in Kijiganup, and I've lived in Kijiganup since I was born because I was actually born in the house I still live in today, on the lounging floor, so I really never left the hills. Uh, since I homeschooled all of primary school, I've always been... I've always had the opportunity to be outside a lot, climbing trees, building cubbies when I was little, swimming in dams. And since both my parents are really passionate about nature, they've always drilled that into me since at a young age. So I've always had, I've always been immersed in nature. So that, and I've always been really into photography. So I got my first camera when I was three, and it was a little digital. A uh, little digital camera, pretty pretty dodgy thing, but I took about ten thousand photos on it in a year, mm. and then and then my parents were like, "Oh, probably should get her a better camera," and it just kind of grew from there. And now I have like a drone, a GoPro, and then my camera for bird photography. So I'm really into photography now, and photography is kind of a way to look at nature a different way. So not just be in it, but you can like take photos and make videos and you can just do so much with cameras so yeah it's a bit about myself yeah i also have a crochet clothes brand it's a bit different but yeah that's another thing i do yeah okay sounds really interesting all right um now because we're an international podcast could you explain a little bit of the landscape of sort of perth hills and like what it's like to sort of be there so it's pretty, so the summers are hot, like 30 degrees, 34. Uh, the main vegetation is like Jarrah and Mary trees. It's very dry, but there's still a lot of biodiversity, extreme amount. So all the plants are really adapted to the dry climate. And there's a lot of birds and wildlife, lots of kangaroos. There's echidnas that live around my house. They walk past my windows and live under the decking. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, a, it's pretty hilly. There's a lot of farming around, but no, it's really nice, really nice. Okay, so what do you think your favourite Perth's Hill bird would be, and why Why would you think that? To be honest, all birds are so beautiful. Uh, I would say, if I had to choose, I would say three. My first would be the Western Spinebill, because they're so, they're really skittish and really nervous, so when you see one, it makes it more special because you don't get to see it as often. And especially the males, their markings are brown and they have a really beautiful black breastband and they're just really pretty. So I would say those would have to be one of my favourites. Fantails, though they're pretty grey and their markings aren't incredible, they've got really cute personalities. So they're really dopey. And I've even had them fly into me before when they just had a bath and they're all a bit flustered. I've had them fly into me, so that's pretty cool. Oh, and the yellow robins, they're, they, to me, seem really wise because they just perch on branches for ages and just look around. I'm not sure what they're looking at, probably looking for food, but it seems like they're really wise and their calls are also so pretty. So I'd have to say those three would okay. be my favourites. All right. All right. Um, so what do you think inspired and motivated you 
to make the um, Birds of the Perth Hills uh, book? Well, since I was little, I've always been really passionate about nature. So growing up on a 16-acre bush block gave me lots of space to be in nature. Um, I remember when I was five years old, there was a subdivision planned for near my house, and um, they were going to clear a big lot of bush, and me and my friend were planning on going up to the tractors and throwing rocks at them and um, <laughs> and stopping the subdivision from being built. So I was only five then. And then I remember uh, my grandma used to feed bread to magpies, and I would get so angry and try and explain to her why bread was just not the way, not the thing to feed them. And, like, when I was even seven, or even below that, um, whenever there was frogs outside, I'd always pick them up and, like, I'd think they had... I'd do it every single night, and um, over a couple of weeks, I used to think I could tell their personalities apart. So I've always just been with nature, been in nature. And I think all this passion and energy was built up over my childhood and then I was able to release this in the book and just like express it. So I think that's where my passion came from. But what exactly inspired me to make the book was I'm not well actually I'm not I'm not quite sure. I got my camera and I was taking lots of bird photos and then um and then one day I think I thought, why not make a book? And I didn't realise the massive job that was ahead of me. But I'm still really glad I did it. It was great and I really want people to not take not take the Perthuis for granted because we're so lucky that we live in such a wonderful environment and I just hope the book the book makes people appreciate nature and just not take everything for granted. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So we know that you've got a, a hard copy book, uh, like a hard uh, paper book. What, what made you make an actual paper book rather than a digital one? Well, I want people to be able to take the book around with them. So take it out to the field. It be practical. They can be outside in nature and use the book. And I guess you can take a laptop outside. But I just don't really want people to spend all day looking at a screen and be screen addicted. I'd rather people look at a paper copy. And I just thought it'd be more practical that way. And that's, yeah, that's why I chose to do hard copy. Okay. So you would you call yourself a bird watcher? And if so, would you explain what your personal version of bird watching is about? So I bird watch and take photos at the same time. So a lot of the time when I'm taking photos, the birds in a like covered by twigs or something, and I haven't got a good view of it, or the background's bad. So that's when I observe the birds more, as as there's not a good photo opportunity. And then when the birds closer to me, that's when I take photos. But rarely are birds in a great position for a photo. So that's when I observe birds a lot. But what does what does bird observing look like for me? So uh, I take most of my photos on my property because lots of birds live around my house and I have a bird bark near my house like outside the window and whenever I see birds there I sneak outside and I can just sit by the window and take or outside and take really good photos of them and lots of different birds come to the bird bark so you could call that my bird hide I guess Uh, like during um during quarantine I set a chair up out there and I had my textbook and I was doing my work on my lap and I had my camera around my neck so I could do study and then when there was a bird of the bird bath, take photos. So I did both things at the same time. 
but I don't use a tripod or anything. I just uh, just use my camera. And when I take photos, actually, I hold my breath to keep stable. And sometimes if I'm out for a while, like two, two and a half hours, I notice myself getting headaches and getting really dizzy. And I was trying to figure out why that happened. And then I realized it's because I'm, I'm forgetting to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's something I do. And I have a few tips about uh, that I use tricks when I take photos, if you want me to talk about that. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, sure, if you want to talk about that, talk about some of the tricks that you use. Yeah, so I never wear shoes, so I always take photos barefoot because I feel like I can sneak up on birds easier. And um, I do this exercise where I go outside, I listen to the sounds around me, and then I try and move without disrupting the sounds. So that's how I blend into my surroundings and really sneak up on birds and get the best photos. So, yeah. Cool. So when you're sort of photographing a bird, how long will you sort of spend just watching it and sort of um, just sort of being around it? Will you sort of either take one photo, then leave, or will you sort of sit there, watch it, and take a sort of multiple photos and see if it does anything interesting? I'll definitely sit and watch it. So I can be chasing one bird around for like an hour and a half or longer because they often fly away and then I have to go find them again and then they're up in the canopy and I have to wait for them to come down and then I just have to be really still and patient. It's all about patience. So, yeah, it's a very long process. Okay. And what what time do you sort of take a lot of your photos? Is there a specific set time that you would take most of your photos? Well, as the as seasons change, the times change, but it's always in the morning and afternoon because that's when birds are most active and feeding, and that's also when there's the best light to take photos. But definitely morning and afternoon. All right. Um, so did you learn those tips that you just said um, from another person or was it from personal experience? Yeah, all from personal experience. So I pretty much take all my photos alone. I do have a friend which has a similar camera to me, or actually exactly the same. And sometimes we take photos together, but 99% of the time it's just me and my own, so I've learned all that by myself. Cool. And um, what do you think the hardest sort of bird was for to take a photograph of, and why was it sort of the hardest? I would say the partilotes, because since the Perth Hills, the, the trees are pretty tall, um, and partilotes feed on the lerps of leaves um, up in the top, up in the upper regions of the canopy. They don't really come lower down. So it's really hard to get good photos of them. Uh, in the woodlands where the trees are smaller, you can see them more often. But in the hills, it's I find it really difficult. So I've seen them when I've climbed trees before, but I don't have my camera, obviously. And then I just had to be really patient and wait for them to actually breed and build nests. And that's when they came down to the ground to collect um, fibers and stuff. And that's when I got my photos. Okay, cool. So I see that on your book, you have a few sort of WA bird people who endorse you. Did you mean, did these sort of people help or inspire you to um, sort of create your book? And how did they do that if they did? Well, actually, I wrote my book without getting help from anyone else except for my own research. I had Simon Chairman, which was one of the people in my book who wrote the foreword. He um, made eagle boxes, and I did know him before I wrote the book. I guess he was an inspiration because I saw what he was doing and the work he was doing with birds, and I thought I could do my own thing similar to him. And then I also had help from Eric McCrum and Deb, 
and they helped with the editing and um, especially Eric with the Aboriginal name since he's really knowledgeable there. But that was after I'd written the book completely. So the book was done all on my own, no help from anyone else. And then once it was, once there was one print run done and I'd printed a book and I showed my parents it and everything, um, that's when we got help from those people to do the editing and things like that. But yeah. Now your book self-published. Why did you choose to self-publish it? And could you sort of explain the process, you know, like how long did it take, sort of who guided you to help sort of print it? And sort of what company did the printing? So the company that did the first print run, which was 200 books, was Snap Printers. And we did it on recycled paper, which I really wanted to do. And But those books sold out in a week, week and a half. When I when I released it, so um, right now we actually haven't got the second print run yet. It's being printed right now, but we've printed another 500 books with the Environmental Printing Company, okay. which also do recycled paper and plant-based ink. Cool. Wow. And and um, 10% of the proceeds go to Kenyana as well. So who is Kenyana, um, and do you have a relationship with them? Well, Kenyana, they work with rehabilitating and rescuing local animals in the hills. And since my book is targeted at Birds of the Perth Hills, I thought it would be a good idea to support a local organisation. So I think last year they um, rehabilitated and rescued about 1,500 animals, including birds. And I... um, I just thought it was a really good organisation to support because I know um, those kind of groups don't get a lot of funding and I thought that I I could at least help out a bit. Okay, cool. The way I wrote the book was I had to research where birds were found, their breeding and diet because obviously those things I didn't already know. The tips in the book I wrote from my own knowledge, spending all the time outside with the birds. So I only included birds which I had photos of and I'd observed them enough to write tips about. So I didn't include anything else. And it probably took me about, oh, not including taking the photos because that would just be enormous, but just writing the book maybe 150 hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Wow, that's a lot of time. Yeah. So when you were making a book, how did you decide what birds to include? So I only included birds found in the Perth Hills and um, only birds I had good photos of and I had enough knowledge on them, like I'd made enough observations to write about them without having to research as much. So I wanted a lot of the information in the book to be um, my own. Well, obviously I didn't, I um, just had to research, I didn't rewrite other people's stuff, but yeah. Okay. And do you have any regular birds in your life, either like wild ones who visit often or um, maybe even an aviary or companion bird? And if so, what are they? I don't have an aviary, but I have birds that regularly visit my house. So I have a family of tawny frog mouths and I often see them in the day perching at the top of trees. So that's always nice. And I have a family of scarlet robins and uh, yellow robins that live around. And I used to have fairy wrens, but they've they've gone off somewhere else. Not sure where they've gone. Haven't seen them in a while. But as I go out taking photos, I kind of find out where birds tend to hang out more often. So there's a mulberry tree near my house, and I know that's where all the silver eyes go. So as I've gone and taken photos, I really – I have a map in my mind of where all the birds are, and that's how I get really good photos. 
Okay. And sort of could you briefly explain what species page um, sort of looks like in your book and why you chose to include the things like that in the book? So I included birds' diet, breeding, and their habitat they were found. And then I also showed their distribution across Australia in a map, and I painted the maps. And then the tips were written from my own knowledge. And I also added a little thing called skittish rating, which is my own way of grading the timid and nervousness of birds from 1 to 10, uh, 1 being extremely nervous and 10 being really calm. And I did this so photographers know how to approach birds better and how to behave around them um, in order not to scare them away. I also included birds' lifespan and conservation rating because I just thought those two things were interesting. And the conservation rating is based off the um, IUCN red list of threatened species. So I kept that consistent across the whole book. Okay. Since the recent bushfires, have you noticed any changes sort of to the birds that you've seen? And if so, what were sort of the changes that you've witnessed? Uh, well, the fires were about, uh, they finished about a K or two from my house, so they were pretty close. But I actually haven't noticed a great change in the birds around me. Uh, if not, I've really noticed nothing. I've gone to the fires, though, and they're dead. There's no bird calls. It's really quiet. So I've definitely noticed a change in the um, area where the fires took place, but around me everything stayed relatively the same. I have seen the fire zone, and the level of devastation is a real shock. But it's good news that your property didn't burn, and could be a sanctuary to local bird life. Oh, yeah. Some of the birds that you've included in your book are decreasing in population t uh, trends, which you've included in your species notes. What do you think the overall future for these birds and their habitats will be? And how do you see your book increasing people's interest in these threatened population? birds well i know a lot of birds well not a lot of them but like magpies and crows and those really common birds are adapting to the urban environments like the cities and that but then a lot of the birds that require more specific environments like the spinebills and um partilotes they i'm worried about them because as we chop down the forest and increase farming and um urbanization all these birds, the habitat is decreasing and decreasing. And I just don't know, like, we just can't keep doing this. Like, it's not a sustainable way, and it's just not, it's just not going to help the future of anything. So, um, I really hope that we start, um, we stop clearing and start planting more trees and really trying to fix what we've done already before we make it worse so that these birds won't, won't die out, you know? Like, we've already had so many species extinct, not just birds, but especially mammals and that. And I just don't want to see what happened to the mammals happen to the birds. Okay. If someone was interested in obtaining a copy of your book, how would they sort of go about doing that? Well, right now we actually have no copies, but they'll be ready in about one or two weeks. So they can either email me or text me and I can send them an order form. They can pay online and I can post it to them or um, they can pick it up at the places that I'll be selling them. So they'll be at the Mundaring Tourist Bureau, Hot Shots Coffee Van, Robin's Coffee Van, the post office in Gigi, and a number of different locations. But if they want me to post one to them, they can text me or email me. So my email is um, Talitha. So do you want me to spell it out? Yes, if you could. Yeah. So T-A-L-I-T-H-A, Talitha, at westnet.com.au. 
and the books are $22 each and an extra $5 for postage. Okay, cool. Yeah. If you're interested in Talitha's book, The Birds of the Perth Hill, we'll leave all the relevant information down below in the show notes so you can check it out. Now, is there anything in particular um, that you want to say? Just go outside and take as many photos as you can and see what you find. There's so many interesting things to take photos of out there. And I just think if everyone went outside, the amount of, amount of things you can see and experience is incredible. So just go take photos, go be outside. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. thank you, Talitha, for coming on the Birdcast podcast. Um, yeah, it's very right. enjoyable to have you on here speaking about your book and photography. All Thanks right. for having me. Thank you. See ya. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode with our young guest, Talitha, the creator of the Birds of Perth Hills book. All right, everyone. Now, remember, we also have an Instagram. It's birdman underscore dad. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Bye.